0: indisputably talented as a teenage apprentice he studied under the great Giovanni who himself was mentored by Donatello the greatest sculptor of 15th century Florence one day when the young Michelangelo was toying with a piece of sculpture and shaping it in a form far beneath his talent and ability Giovanni stormed across the room, took the piece of sculpture, smashed it to the floor and said these famous words to his young apprentice, Michelangelo, talent is cheap, dedication is costly. You hear that? Talent is cheap, dedication is costly. What Giovanni wanted to impress upon his young apprentice is that in order to succeed, you don't just succeed by mere talent, you succeed by focus, determination and dedication. In the Scriptures, the Apostle Paul had a focus. And his focus for the Church of Jesus Christ is that the Church might be able to stand firm. And so in the text before us today, in 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2, verse 13 onwards, This is what the Apostle Paul says in verse 15. He said, So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us. Stand firm. You see, to the Apostle Paul, standing firm as a church, standing firm as a redeemed community, standing firm as disciples of Christ is incredibly significant. In fact, we find in the way he ended his book in Ephesians chapter 6, when he spoke about spiritual warfare and the armour of God, he made an important point here and he reiterated three times. In verse 10, he says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Verse 11, put on the whole armour of God that you may be able to stand firm. And then he repeated that again in verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armour of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, to stand firm. Then verse 14, Stand firm, therefore, with the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness. Stand firm, stand firm, stand firm. This morning, I want to share with you three critical principles on what it really takes to stand firm in the Lord. And we find as we look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 in the text before us, we find three key verbs that tutor us in these three key principles of standing firm. The first verb is chose, as in verse 13. And then the second verb is uh, called, as in verse 14. And then finally, verse 17, comfort. And in these three verbs, chose, called, comfort, we find three key principles of what it really takes to stand firm in the Lord. Would you bow with me in prayer as we commit this time to the Lord together? Father God, once again, let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Whatever is not from you, please scatter them to the wind so that they fall of no effect. But those things that are from you, please deposit them deeply in our hearts and let us not just be hearers of your word, but doers also that we might grow thereby. We thank you in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. The first principle is our compass must be recalibrated. Second principle, our conviction must be reaffirmed. And the third principle, our confidence must be realigned. Our compass must be recalibrated, our conviction must be reaffirmed, and our confidence must be realigned. Three verbs the Apostle Paul used. Let's examine these principles one at a time. First, our compass must be recalibrated. In verse 13, the Apostle Paul says, 2 Thessalonians 2, 13, But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved. God chose you to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the Word. We are God's chosen people. There is an election, there's a choice. Jesus himself said to his disciples, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. In the Old Testament, the people of God are called the chosen people. And now the Apostle Paul gave us the theological premise by which we are chosen by God. We are not chosen because of our talent. We are not chosen because of our credit. We are not chosen because of our merit. We are chosen because God loves us. And so the Apostle Paul says, you are brothers beloved by God. God loves us, therefore He chose us as first fruits to be saved. And then the Apostle Paul gave us the theology of salvation, where he speaks of a dual key to that salvation. He says the first key, saved to the sanctification by the Spirit, and the second, belief in the truth. The sanctification of the Spirit is the divine initiative, God's part, belief in the true faith, our part, in response to God's initiative and work. Just like the safe deposit box needs two keys to open the safe deposit box, in the same way, there are two keys to salvation, what God has done and what He calls us to do. God has sent forth His Son to die for our sins on the cross, and then He says to us, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall be saved. And once we come in the salvation of God, we are His chosen people. There is a grace of belonging. In the recent IDMC conference in Singapore, I told the story of uh, Timothy, who wrote the book Proof. And this is what Timothy Jones said. He he shared a testimony, a moving testimony of his adopted daughter. By the time the adopted daughter came to him, she was eight years old. She was adopted by a previous family before, but somehow in the previous family, they never really integrate her within the family for whatever reasons. So when Timothy said to his daughter and his family, we are going to Disney World, he didn't expect how difficult it is to bring a child to Disney World and all that it will involve. And and he didn't expect the lesson he will learn about the grace of God. This is his story. When his wife told the the kids, uh, hey, we are going to Disney World, this eight-year-old adopted daughter began to act up and behave very badly because this was her experience. In the previous family, in the previous adopted family where she wasn't integrated, When they went to Disney World, the biological kids get to go, but she was left out. She was asked to stay with a family friend while this family went on holiday, for whatever reason. So this little girl was thinking to herself, it it must be something I've done that is bad or wrong. I, I disqualified myself from going to Disney World and visit the Magic Kingdom. And when they came back from vacation, she saw many pictures of Disney World. But when it comes to entering the gates of the Magic Kingdom, she was left outside. So now in this new adopted family, when she heard we are going to Disney World, she thought to herself, I'm not qualified, I'm not good enough to go to the Magic Kingdom. And so in her insecurities and this inner script, she behaved badly and Timothy Jones didn't understand why his daughter behaved like that. She stole, she lied, she cast insults upon her sister. And so finally, he had a word with her. Called her and said, Why are you believing like that? And her reply, she said flatly, I know you're not taking me to Disney World. You're not taking me, aren't you? And suddenly, Timothy Jones recognised it was the daughter's insecurities. She was emotionally damaged and hurt. And so, he was tempted, he said, to say to her, yeah, if you don't believe, we won't take you. But he was glad he didn't react that way. Instead, he softly said to the daughter, we are going to do this as a family, aren't we? She said, yes. She nodded. And you are part of this family, aren't you? Yes. Yes. She nodded with tears around her eyes. And then the father says, if you are part of this family, we are bringing you. We are not leaving you behind. The day came when she entered the Magic Kingdom and her fantastic first day in Disney World. At the end of the day, father came to her and hugged her and said, how was your first day in Disney World? She closed her eyes, hugged her stuffed toy, opened her eyes, And then she said, Daddy, I get to go to Disney World not because I'm good, but because I'm yours. I get to go to Disney World not because I'm good, but because I'm yours. The Grace of Belonging. Brothers and sisters, we must understand we belong to God in Christ Jesus. We are chosen, we are beloved, we are in His family. Christianity is not a do-it-yourself religion. Christianity is not rooted in what have you done for God? 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 It's not rooted in that. It is rooted in what God has done for us, so that what we do for Him is a response of gratitude and love in what He has done for us. What God has done for us is the mandate. What we do for God is the mission, and the mission must be cradled by the mandate. The mandate, what God has done for us and call us to, must precede the mission. Because God calls us first to Himself. God calls us to spiritual intimacy. God calls us to spiritual vitality and life. A sense of belonging, a sense of grace, a sense of intimacy with God. That's His calling. The first calling of God is a call unto Himself and then a call unto mission and living the missional life. Please get this, the missional life flows out of the worship life. If we turn it upside down, we miss it altogether, there's no sustainability because Christianity is not a do-it-yourself religion. Please understand this, this is so fundamental. I want to reiterate and remind you of this. The mandate must precede the mission. That is why IDMC discipleship of the intentional disciple making church is rooted theologically and biblically upon this promise, this premise that makes it distinct. The mandate precedes the mission. Again, I remind you, the call of the kingdom is not first and foremost a call to advance the kingdom. The call of the Great Commission or the call of God is to abide in the King so that His kingdom can advance. Abide in me, Jesus said. You belong to me. You are bought with a price. Our compass must be recalibrated. He chose you. He chose me. May the Lord help us as we think about standing firm. We are not standing firm in our own strength, our own efforts, our own talent, our own wisdom. We are standing firm in what Christ has done for us. Beloved of God, He chose you. We are people who belong. The redeemed community, the Church of Jesus Christ, is a place of sacred belonging. We belong to God. We are a redeemed community in Him. And that is why God does not intend us to be caught in a performance trap. That is why He calls us to anchor that rest in Him, that worship in Him. Oh, I did not say Christianity is not about what we do for God. What we do for God in obedience and surrender is important. But what I'm saying, it must flow out of gratitude of what God has done for us. Here's the second principle for standing firm. Our conviction must be reaffirmed. We find that in the second key verb in verse 14. Verse 14, to this He called you through our gospel. He called you. The calling of God is important. What did He call us to? He did not call us to a job. He did not call us to a task. First and foremost, He called you through our gospel so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Question, what is the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ that we are to obtain? The answer, our salvation is His glory. The good news that God saved us in Christ Jesus and that salvation we receive of Christ is the glory of Christ. That we may receive that salvation, that we might heed the gospel, that we might be transformed by the gospel. That's our steady calling. It's a calling unto salvation, the redemption of God. Now, please understand that this calling to salvation, which is the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, who came and died for us, who for the joy set before Him suffered and then rose again. That calling to salvation has two parts. Don't miss it. The first part is our calling to communion. And the second part, our calling to commission. Our communion with God and our commission from God. In other words, once again, is the picture of the mandate and the mission. Our calling unto salvation to God, in communion with God, in, in fellowship with God, in reconciliation with God, that's the mandate. And our calling to mission, to live a missional life, to engage with the purposes of God for our lives, that's the mission. Now, understand. That there is an abnormality in the church today, the global church. I find an abnormality. And the abnormality is that we have CAD Christians, Commitment Avoidance Disciples, CAD. It's a misnomer, it's a contradiction of terms. We cannot be disciples of Christ where we live under the Lordship of Christ and then we become commitment avoidance because we are commitment scared. Very often in the kingdom of God, when there is a task to be done, when there's a job to be done, when there's something that we must rise up as a people of God to lay hold of, there are Christians who go like, hmm, this might be a good idea, but not me. Lord, here am I. Send my sister. Send my wife. Send somebody else. Send my mother-in-law. Send somebody else. Lord, here am I, but not me. Why? We are commitment avoidance disciples. We cannot be disciples to say, yes, Lord, and go, yes, Lord, but not me. It is a contradiction of terms. Why do we develop this commitment avoidance? Two basic reasons. There are many reasons, but boil down to two basic reasons. Because of a sense of inadequacy or a sense of unwillingness. I'm not willing. Not willing to pay the price, not willing to give the energy and the time, and I am not able. Please understand this true, people of God. When God calls you, He will strengthen you. When God calls you, He will strengthen you. He will enable you. He will help you. But we must be willing. We must be faithful. We must answer the call of the Lord for our lives. Listen carefully. We are saved for a purpose. Otherwise, why are we still on planet earth? Why why doesn't God take us home the minute you become a Christian? Oh, you're transported home to heaven. Why are we remaining on earth? Because there is a mission, because there is a task, because we are saved unto a purpose. Don't let the devil tempt you to think you're not good enough, you're inadequate, you're not able Because when God calls you, He will strengthen you. Jerry Aiklin has never preached a single sermon in his life. And in his life, he never imagined that one day, God will call him to preach a sermon of enormous significance. It happened on a snowy Sunday when the roads were all closed in, the pastor cannot come to church. And Jerry Aiklin was the only deacon there, And in that small congregation that were able to gather, he felt a responsibility to deliver the sermon. But he has not preached a single day of his life. Can you imagine if you have never preached a single sermon in any day of your life and you're given one week to prepare and preach a sermon? That itself is already terrifying. Right? Never preached before, you have one week, you've got to prepare, right? Okay, this guy has never preached before and he wasn't given one week to prepare. It was like, oh, the pastor is not around. Somebody got to deliver the sermon. So he stood up. He opened up the Scriptures, and he preached a simple sermon, Jesus saves. He preached faithfully the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And at the end of this sermon, he asked a small congregation, is anyone here wanting to believe in the Lord Jesus? For you shall be saved. And there's a young man, young lad in that congregation, who raised a solitary hand and he prayed to receive Christ. And the congregation did not realise the enormous significance, the enormous event that took place. Because when this young boy, Charles, raised up his hand, God is going to use his life. He grew up to become the prince of preachers, Charles Spurgeon. And Charles Spurgeon has literally impacted millions with his sermon and his writings. He impacted my life with his commentaries, his sermons. His Treasury of David is unsurpassed in, in opening up the Scriptures. I am inspired to study the Word of God because of the treasury of David, to dig deeper into the Scriptures. Never say I'm not adequate. Never say I'm not given enough time to prepare. Never say I'm not able, because when God calls you, He will strengthen you. Our compass must be recalibrated. We are chosen of God. Our conviction must be reaffirmed. We are called of God. And when He calls us, He will strengthen us. He will enable us. He will empower us. Here's the third principle our confidence must be realigned. We find that in verse 17. Comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work. This is the prayer of the Apostle Paul. It begins in verse 16. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ Himself and God our Father, who loved us. Can you see that again? It's emphasized again. He loved us, therefore He chose us. Now the Apostle Paul says, "...who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace." May he therefore, verse 17, comfort your hearts. Now the word comfort here is para kale'o. It's used 109 times in the New Testament, and depending on context, it means different things. But within this context, this context, it means strengthen. May the Lord strengthen your heart. Parakaleo can be translated encourage, para as alongside, kaleo as call, to come alongside and call, to come alongside and encourage, to cheer on. And in this context, this para kaleo coming alongside to cheer on, to encourage is to strengthen your heart. When God comes in our life, our confidence is in Him. He will strengthen us. Even though we are weak, He will strengthen us. I want to share with you a personal testimony of a season of my life where one thing happened after another. It's a series of events. So give me some time just to unpack this for you because it's an entire series. But in that series of events, I learned how weak I am and how strong God is. You see, when I was a younger man, I thought to myself, wow, if I'm ever tempted sorely, the greatest temptation I will face is when I'm tempted in my weakness. Now as a senior citizen, I learned no, the greatest temptation is not that. We are tempted in our weakness. The greatest temptation is when we are tempted in our strength and we have found one thing. We find that our greatest strength has no strength to match the trials and the temptations. And then we find our true strength is in God, who strengthens us. You see, it all began. Uh, the story is a long journey, but there is a point by which it began. It began in November last year. Towards the end of the year, uh, the Lord woke me up 4 a.m. in the morning to pray, and there was this three series of prayer in one morning. And in that prayer, the Lord told me, "Pray for revival." So I prayed for revival and then the Lord spoke to me as I prayed because I, I went up to the bed to sleep again. God woke me up again and said, son, pray. And he said to me, son, I want to teach you about spiritual warfare. And say, Lord, I'm willing to learn. Teach me. That was end of last year. In January, beginning of this year, I continued that prayer for revival. Revival for covenant, revival for the church in Singapore, revival for the global church. And the Lord reminded me, revival starts with us Here's the key to revival. Simple key. You want a revival in our church or in our nation or in the global church? Simple. Draw a circle, an imaginary circle. Step into the circle and pray, Lord, revive everything in this circle. Revive me. Start with me. That's the key to revival. And so as I was praying for revival, uh, the Lord said to me, I want to teach you warfare. So the next morning, I gathered from my library 12 key books on spiritual warfare, ready to read, ready to search the Scriptures, ready to learn about spiritual warfare, but it did not happen that way. The Lord told me, Son, I'm going to teach you spiritual warfare to trials and afflictions. So as I was preparing my heart and praying, May this year, it happened a series of events one after another, May this year, I had this toothache, went to the dentist, and the dentist did an x-ray and said, ah, okay, um, it is uh, implantitis. It is the infection of the implant because of bone loss. Implant has to be extracted. But I, I don't have time for tooth extraction because my speaking engagements are all packed. That was in May, early May. The only time available where I have one week for recovery before I speak again was 20th of June. So I asked the Lord, Lord, from now 20th of June, what do I do? Do I cancel some appointments, disappoint some friends, or is it your will for me to continue and then wait until 20th of June? The Lord very clearly let me, Son, wait till 20th of June. I will sustain you. I will help you. So the pain, toothache is a negative thing. Um, it continued from early May all the way to 20th of June. And in between that, They were pain managed by antibiotics, managed by painkillers. And I was involved in ministry and see the Lord each step of the way just sustaining me in it. Finally, 20th June came, extracted the implant. And then I thought the ordeal was over. I thought the trials was there. The Lord has proven himself strong. I learned the lesson of dependence upon the Lord is over. No, three days after the surgery, the dental surgery... The pain was still there. Worse, the pain was jumping all around. Actually, in the four corners. Up here, below, this side, the other side. I went like, what's happening? Went to the dentist. And the dentist said, one possibility, there's secondary infection. Come back, we find out what it is and treat it. So came and, and uh, extracted a lower molar because it's non-functioning molar, just in case it's causing the infection. And then say, two days later, if the pain is still there, come back to me. Okay after the extraction, two days later, I couldn't come back because I got COVID-19. And so with the COVID, it's like, okay, uh, I wait until I'm healed, then go back again for, for seeing what's happening with all this. And then while, while I was in the midst of COVID, I had this bad stomach pain. Um, went to consult my doctor, don't know what to do with it, trying to manage the pain. About 2 a.m. in the morning, Philip Lin from Sabah wrote me a WhatsApp, just, hi, how are you, etc. I was thinking, whoa, this, this doctor, pastor is still awake. Let me consult him and ask him. So, call up Philip, we talked and, and uh, he gave me some counsels, etc, etc, and then went to sleep. About 4 a.m. in the morning, I received a call from Dr. Sandy Pack, our church doctor. It's like, <laughs> 4 a.m. in the morning, which doctor will call you, The kind of thing. how are you doing, you know, the kind of thing. I, okay, I still have this stomach pain, so come and see me first thing in the morning. First thing in the morning, did a blood test, found out what's the cause of it. Hyponectremia, a lack of sodium. So he said, you need to go A and E for this sodium infusion. I said, I, I, I okay, la, I have to go, la, but but I cannot go now. I'm very, very tired. The... the Blood test was in the morning, afternoon result came. I thought, let me sleep one night through first. The next morning I'll check myself into a hospital. The third call came from another medical professional, a dear friend. Dr. Heng called me up and he said, Hey Ada, you have this problem and you're not going to a hospital? Go now. You need the infusion. I go, I'm very tired, I'm very sleepy. I I with all the pain and everything else, I, I have sleepless nights. I just want to sleep because hospital, I can't sleep. I want to talk to Anne. Okay, pass the phone to Anne. And you got to tell your husband to go. And say, I told him already. Let me talk to Ed again. Ed. Then he reasoned with me. He said, If Anne were in your shoes, what would you do? If Anne had hyponactremia, needed sodium infusion, what will you do? I said, I will let her sleep. (laughs) Don't disturb me. He knows me well. He said softly, Ed, listen, that is not you. I know you. You will take charge and you'll send her to the hospital. And that spoke to me because that's precisely Edmund Chan. I will have taken charge in an emergency. I will send my wife to the hospital, but I'm not taking charge of myself. I went to NNK okay, like enough already. I'm going to the hospital. I don't know how I'm gonna survive there because I'm just gonna sit in the hospital. I got a backache, I can't sit for long, no bed, i am gonna suffer and die for Jesus there. <laughs> Thankfully, by God's grace, it was a crowded and By God's grace managed to find a bed. And there with the drip, with COVID, isolation room, we still the pain. The Lord told me, son, you're going to face three series of tests. Very clear cut. It's going to be three series and each series have a name. Wow, tests also have a name. Yeah, the first test is a spirit of intimidation. And true enough, that night, about 11 plus, the toothache came back with a vengeance. It was painful. I was here in isolation ward. I pressed the button, asked the nurse to get me uh, two Panadol. Took the Panadol, then I realized, stupid, take Panadol. Panadol is too mild. I need a Coxie or something, some stronger painkiller. So it's like, okay, what do I do now? Before I went to hospital, before all this happened, the Lord said, start a prayer shield. And I did. With the GA partners, we started a prayer shield, it was four times every day. At 7 in the morning, and then noon, then 7 at night, and 12 midnight. It was near midnight. I was in pain. I, I reckon, or remember, oh, there's a pressure. Okay, went into the Zoom meeting, locked into the pressure. I kid you not. The minute I went to the pressure and we worshipped the Lord, boom, the pain disappeared. And I went like, what's this, Lord? And the Lord said, that was the spirit of intimidation. And in the presence of God, that intimidation couldn't stand. So in the hospital, I say, okay, Lord, wow, there is power in worship. There's power in prayer. That This spiritual attack, I saw the strength and the power of God. Praise you, Lord. Then the Lord said, a second trial will come. I go like, what? What's, uh, what was the second trial? It has a name. Its name is a spirit of condemnation. Now, I've experienced a spirit of condemnation before as a young pastor. I was away for prayer for three days and, and in, in solitude, in silence, And in the middle of the night, a a demon came into my room, pressed me down, and said in my right ear, a hoarse whisper, Who do you think you are? You are a sinner. And there was all kinds of vile accusation. You know, the Bible says the devil is both the father of lies and the accuser of the brethren. And with that accusation, I tried to recite scripture, can't, I tried to pray, can't. Nothing works. I I just was pinned down with all this accusation and demonic oppression in that room and then there was a voice inside me that said, have no fear I am here and whoosh this dark shadow just went out of the door and the whole place was filled with the presence of God so I thought when the Lord said there's a spirit of condemnation I thought it would be the same something like that oh no I healed of COVID, discharged of hospital and came back. Uh, all I was doing is, you know, hospital gave medicine and it's in those plastic bags. For some reason, I cannot open the plastic bag. And I got very frustrated, cannot open. I was thinking to myself, oh, you old man, simple plastic bag cannot open. And I felt just frustrated inside what's happening, you know, the kind of thing. I'm useless, I'm hopeless, that kind of feeling. And then uh, Seb's wife, Stephanie, has given me probiotics. And I've taken probiotics as a pill. I've never taken probiotics as a powder. I don't know what to do. Do you add water? How much water? Half glass, full glass. Went to internet to search worse, get more confused. So call her up and say, what do I do with this? Do I take with half full cup of water? No need, pastor, just pour in a a few sips of water. Thank you very much, put on food. I felt so stupid. I said to myself, you stupid guy, simple thing like that you don't know, call yourself a leadership mentor. (laughs) The minute that came to my mind, suddenly I realised it was an attack of the evil one because I never called myself a leadership mentor. It was a calling of God. It was my spiritual mentors uh, who, who called me as a mentor. And I recognised that I've never done that, never called myself, I'm a leadership mentor. And I realised in that calling of God, this is not from me. You see, when Satan attacks, he doesn't attack with the second person parole. You are stupid. No, it's first person. I am stupid. I am useless. I am hopeless. And then I prayed. I knelt and I prayed. And that attack broke. And as I worship God, the Lord said, third attack is coming. And it has a name. And the Lord told me the third attack, the first one was intimidation, second one, condemnation, third one is rejection. I go like, Lord, I thought it's supposed to intensify. This one, rejection, not too difficultly. I don't feel rejected, I feel loved. I'm loved by my wife, loved by my family, loved by the church, loved by my friends. I, I, I'm loved, so how to feel rejected? Don't know how. So. But it came with a vengeance. Shortly after that, one night, about 3 a.m. in the morning, I was woken up with this toothache pain that is just terrible. I mean, I have very really two extractions. Now the toothache is still not soft yet and the pain is very great. I don't have antibiotics anymore. Painkillers doesn't seem to work. I lie there like feeling miserable. Then I'm thinking, which friend can I call at 3am in the morning to pray for me? Philip Lin will be sleeping already. <laughs> Dr. Peck, Sandy Peck will be at home sleeping, whatever. And then the, the thought came, even if I can call them, here's the thought, they won't understand. Yeah, they say you will pray for you, etc., but they won't understand this pain, this frustration. This has been since May. Since May, I've not experienced a pain-free day. So I went like, Lord, where are you? And what I didn't expect, when God said you're gonna be tested with a spirit of rejection, I felt rejected by God. That's the worst kind of rejection. I just felt the Lord abandoned me. Lord, I've been faithful. You asked me to bear the pain and minister. I've done as you told. I saw your strength in the midst of all the pain, etc. I've been faithful. And, and Lord, where are you? Why am I abandoned to this? Then my friends say they pray for me. Yeah, I believe they do, but they don't understand. And where are you, Lord? Where's the solution to all this? I can't even find the root of the pain. If I can say, okay, this is a toothache pain, just extract the tooth. But, but there is nothing that could be found. It keeps jumping all around. I don't know what's happening. To cut long story short, and it's a long story, I couldn't even call Anne to pray for me. I felt she was recovering from COVID at that time too. I felt it's not right to call a sick wife to wake up in the middle of the night and pray for me. But there was no one to turn to. I, I felt I couldn't turn to God. It's simply the, 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 the warfare and the attack was so intense. I felt I couldn't turn to God. Finally, because I really don't know what to do. Just just don't know what to do. The, the pain is just, oh, I know I, I'm living this pain for so long. And pardon the term, but it's sickening. Finally, I woke and up and Pray for me. And in the spiritual attack and spiritual warfare, I had all this wrong thinking. If I walk up, she'll be very upset. She will scold me, she'll say slight things, and I will be angry and will fight. And all, all that kind. It is not true. It's illogical, but that's the nature of spiritual warfare. And pray for me. I'm in pain. She woke up, no complaint laid her hands, prayed for me, prayed for herself in her recovery, and said, Ed, take some painkiller and get some sleep. I took some painkiller, knelt by the side of my bed, and I said, Lord, what are you teaching me? And the Lord said, that's the spirit of rejection. And suddenly my mind was enlightened. Oh, this is what it's about. It's an entire series, one event after another on spiritual warfare. I took authority over the one. I wish to tell you, as leadership mentor, immediately I recognized it's a spiritual attack. I took over authority over it. It disappeared. It didn't happen that way. It was just deliberating, but finally I came to my senses, took authority over it. It was gone. And then I said to the Lord, Lord. Now that these three spiritual attacks a spirit of intimidation, a spirit of condemnation, a spirit of rejection has come. Is it over? And the Lord said, not yet, more to follow, more lessons to come. Because I went to check out what's the pain, jumping over, the dentist recognised, Hey, uh, and also Philip Lin told me, it might not be a, a physical pain, it might be a nerve pain. I went to see a nerve specialist, he said it might come from your stem cell, send me for MRI. And a secondary finding, an incidental finding of the MRI, found a brain tumour. And then I discovered, oh, that's the cause of it. <laughs> now at least I know the cause. I can sleep in peace. I, I wish I can tell you that night at dinner table with the family, when I share this news with the family, I've got brain tumour. I wish I have a videotape to capture and show you. There was laughter, there was, there was kidding around, you use your brain too much, that's why, etc. 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 There wasn't any fear or any worry. It's the same response when we received news and had cancer. And and there was this sense of confidence. God is in control. And when for surgery is healed of a cancer? Now, I'm thankful that this brain tumour is sitting on the low part of the pituitary gland. It's 1.2 cm, meaning um, if it's higher up, it could affect the visual cortex. I could become blind if there's no surgery. But on the low part, it's, it's not affecting it and it's benign. So, uh, I will see the uh, neurosurgeon uh, end of this month. But I want to tell you, in my heart, in the heart of my family, there is this rested confidence the Lord Is in control. That's all we need. And the fundamental question is are we walking in the light of His will? Our compass must be recalibrated. Our conviction must be reaffirmed and our confidence must be realigned that He's in control. Tomorrow and I will be flying off to uh, Africa to minister in Africa because we recognize. This is divine appointment. This is God's leading. My point is, walk each step of the way under the hand of God so that no matter what happens, we know God is in control. For me, the saga continues. It's not a saga of pain and affliction and spiritual warfare. No. There was a tremendous peace and rest. It's a saga of walking with God and walking knowing I'm loved, I'm chosen, I'm strengthened in Him. I pray for us as a spiritual family that whatever circumstance you face in your life, you may know these three things that will help you to stand firm. Your compass is recalibrated to the God who chose you and loved you. Your confidence is reaffirmed in the One who calls you and your sense of comfort and strength Your confidence is rooted in the one who strengthens you. Would you bow with me and pray? Father God, we recognise the victory is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And I thank you that each step of the way, we see your victory, we see your power, we see your grace. And all that you're teaching me, I pray you help me to be able to learn so that I can understand the principles and teach it to others also. The same joy, the same confidence, the same recalibration of compass, the same convictions that we might be rooted because we believe when You call us, You will strengthen us. So Father, let us all rest in that joy of Your comfort and strengthening because You have called, chosen loved us and you have directed our paths our path where the mandate precedes the mission we thank you for this in Jesus name Amen God bless you have a fantastic journey ahead
1: Amen Shall we rise? Let's sing this together That Christ alone is our cornerstone My hope is built my hope is filled on nothing less Than Jesus' blood and righteousness I dare not trust the sweetest friend I dare not trust the sweetest friend. alone, faultless stand before the
2: throne. But as we come as your people, as we hear your word being declared this morning, that you desire for us to rest in you, to rest in you because there will be afflictions there will be trials but you remind us this morning that you desire for us to rest in you this morning and for those of you who are here this morning on site if that is your heart's desire that you want to rest in the lord regardless of what it things may come or what you are experiencing if you desire that rest that rest that comes from no one or nothing but our Christ Jesus the King of kings and the Lord of lords if that is your desire with all heads bowed and all eyes closed if that is you I want you to raise your hands to the Lord this morning It's a desire for Him to pour out afresh this morning that peace that rest that comes from no one but Him alone If that is you, I want you to raise your hands this morning. Father, you see the hands that are raised on site here. Oh, Father, we desire nothing more, nothing else, nothing less, but to be at a place and a posture of rest that comes from you this morning. That whatever spirit of condemnation, rejection, intimidation, that we desire, Lord, to come from a place of restedness, that all these lies from the evil one. They are nothing when we stand in the presence of the Almighty God whom we worship. And so God, we ask this morning that you grant us this restedness, that all this spirit of rejection, intimidation and condemnation to be gone in the name of Jesus, that we will continue to fight from a place of victory It's what your scripture declares to us. And so God, as a people this morning, we receive it. We receive it this morning. We ask all this knowing that you hear our prayers and all of God's people say together, Amen, Amen. Let me give you the benediction today as we close our time. The benediction comes from Hebrews 13. 20 to 21, would you raise with your hands and receive the benediction? Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead, our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant equip you with everything good that you may do his will. Working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you. Our service is over. If you need any prayer, please come forward and we'll pray for you. For those on site, likewise, there is a QR code you may scan and we will connect with you shortly. Have a blessed week ahead and we'll see you next week.
0: We're glad you had spent some time listening to God's Word, and we hope that the message has ministered to you. Should you require more assistance, kindly call 6892-6811, or you can visit us at www.cefc.org.sg for more sermon titles. God bless you in your spiritual pilgrimage ahead.